This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hey guys, what is going on? This is Robbie Lashwa. I'm here with my co-host Tyler Hurley. Hey, what's up? You are listening or watching uh, Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a weekly podcast about apologetics, theology, the church, Christianity, culture, caffeine. Lots of caffeine. Lots of caffeine. Lots of C's, actually. Yeah. Absolutely Glad to be here. Good to see you again, Tyler. Yeah, good to be back today. And we got a very exciting topic that is another just a one-off. We're not doing a series on this one either. But before we get into that, again, we talked about caffeine and coffee. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a a staple of this show. Yes. For those of you watching, too, we even have it on a sign behind us so you can see... We really care about it. Kind of like sponsored by caffeine. Yeah, sponsored Because if, if there wasn't That's caffeine, funny. you and I might not be functioning right now. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, I, did so, have, yeah. I did have like two cups of coffee today right oh, before nice. I came here. So. I actually only had, I only had like half a cup today. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I got you. All right. So, but getting into this, speaking of a lot of coffee here, um, this is an interesting coffee fact is that people from New York, the New York City, drink seven times more coffee than other cities in the United States. Can you believe that? Yes. I actually can't. They seem bit, pretty yeah. high strung, actually. But, but it's crazy. Seven times seems excessive yeah, to me. Yeah, twice thinking, as much. Yeah. I don't know. In my head, I'm thinking there's a lot of other big cities out there in the US. Like Yeah, I mean, I mean you think about LA or, or Seattle, you think drink a lot of coffee, but no, New York yeah. drinks seven times as much. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? No, it is crazy. And yeah. I even think like Phoenix, I know like population wise we're not quite there, but like there's a lot of people that drink coffee here. Yep. So it's like it's just crazy. But that's that's a fact. People from New York City drink seven times more coffee than any other city in the US. Insane. I believe yeah. it. They're high strong. It's the city that never sleeps. That's right. According to Elf, they have the world's best cup of coffee. That's true. <laughs> so maybe that's Will Farrell says yeah. it himself. So yeah. yeah. Wow. World's, world's best. <laughs> Congratulations. <cup of> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That probably is a factor here. So probably. Actually, we were talking about this before the show, and our videographer Brandon, he's like, "That's debatable. I'm really bringing Surprise Arizona up. I drink so much coffee. <laughs> so yep. second runner up, we're gonna throw it to Surprise Arizona because Brandon lives there. Oh, there we go. That's <laughs> so, okay. yeah. There yeah. you go. Anyway, honorable mention. Well, that's your coffee tip for today. So if yeah. you go to New York, do as the New Yorkers do and have seven more (laughs) cups of coffee than you normally would on a regular day of your life. Wow. Or don't. Or don't. I don't know. In order to beat the ratio, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about the subject for today. So um, this is going to be fun. We're really going to be addressing what the church, what the Christian church is supposed to be and do. Yes. And we're going to look at the functions of the church. And one of the reasons we wanted to do this is because so often there is um, disunity amongst Christian churches or people within a local congregation get upset about um, carpet color or about a building yeah. project or about um, the style of music or about what the pastor's wearing. And, and, and typically, not always, but typically people get disgruntled at churches not because of main or serious issues, it's true. but because of less trivial issues. And we want to push back against that a little. Um, I think that a part of going to church, Tyler, is being around people that tick you off. It's, I think yeah, that's a, yeah. I think that's a good part because now I have to learn to be patient and I have to learn to be forgiving and to be honest I rub people the wrong way mm-hmm. and they can learn to be patient. Right, I get, no, I totally and get that. Not yeah. intentionally, right? But if it's a family, right, and mm-hmm. if we're working together, there's gonna be that rub and. 
it's an aspect of the church that helps us to love one another, not to just mm. flee when there's conflict or to flee when there's something I might not agree with or like, yeah. but to press into unity means that there's friction at times. Yeah, and so I think yeah. sometimes we try to make our lives so cushy and easy that at the first sign of something we dislike, we just abandon. When I don't think that's what God calls us to do. Now, I would say when it comes to doctrinal issues or the core of Christianity and in, in, in teaching, sure. okay, now yeah. that's that's a different issue. Yeah, yeah, of course there's there's <laughs> levels to this, right? Like yeah. if you if you have serious, serious problems like that or mm-hmm. something similar in, down those lines theologically or whatever it may be, then, then yeah, maybe there are reasons out there for you to uh, change to a different church. Absolutely. But, but that's not what we're saying at all. But what we are saying is that a lot of people tend to leave a church or over these small, small issues. Yep. And so our goal today is we want to talk about what the purpose of the church is. And we're going to start with discussing the functions and give you guys a breakdown of the biblical idea of how a church should operate. Yep. And now let's get yes. into what every church loves to... Um, create is their mission statement yes. and their their <laughs> core distinctives, right? We all have the same ones. Yeah, so yeah. Why, we why do. don't you get into that, Tyler? What is the purpose or the mission of the church at large? Yeah, and this is every church should be yes. this way. Yes, uh, the purpose or mission is to make disciples. Right, that's the Great Commission. We see that in Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. Yep. Uh, it says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, right? That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the purpose statement for the Christian church. Yes. To and make that's, disciples, baptize, teach all that Jesus commanded. Exactly. And that should be the mission. Yep. A great, great. I just thought of this, actually. Great book, by the way, if you want to read it. It's a book by Dallas Willard, and it's called The Great Omission. I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, and what he, yeah. What he is claiming is that as evangelicals, we focus so much on the go make disciples evangelism piece that we have uh, ignored the teaching them all I've commanded. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. reading that book and he said, what is your church's strategy for teaching all that Jesus commanded? <laughs> and it was like a punch yeah. in the gut. I'm like, I've never even thought of that. Wow. Yeah. But it's right there. And so great book, The Great Omission by Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend you read it. But yeah, the, the purpose statement of the church is the Great Commission. Now, yeah. <clears throat> how we go about that is also given to us by Jesus in the great commandment. And this is in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Let me read that. Um, A man came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And so those two things together are the purpose and and motivation of Mm. the church. Um, The Great Commission in a Great Commandment manner. Right, that's what we are to do. We go make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all Jesus commanded. As we love God with everything we have, and we love others as ourselves. Makes sense to me. It's, it's simple. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it is simple, but it's important that we clarify this is the purpose statement of the church. So now, how do we go about making disciples? How do we go about yes. um, 
um, teaching all that Jesus commanded. And when we when we dig down into Scripture, there are actually four functions of the Christian church. If you're going to a church, you want to make sure they're doing these four functions. Now, again, they're going to do them in different styles and different ways, but you want to make sure these four functions are happening at your church. This is a healthy church, okay? Mm. So function number one, um, and they all start with E for alliteration, so you can remember it. It's easier, right? The first function of the church, one of the functions of the church is evangelism. Evangelism, yes. right? The New Testament uh, talks about good news being verbally proclaimed. So we see the apostles spoke the word uh, with boldness to people. Acts 4.1 uh, says this. The apostles regularly preached the gospel to people. Acts 5.42 tells us this. Um, Philip the evangelist was regularly, the word they use is, proclaiming Christ to the people, Right? Uh, the apostles gave personal witness to people. Uh, the apostles reasoned with people. All of these words, Tyler, imply mm. they use their mouth to tell people things, yeah. right? Now, that's really important. Have you ever heard that old, um, that old quote? And it's, it's, I don't know if he really said it, but it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, where he said, um, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that before? You know what? I heard that in school, actually. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I get the sentiment behind it. It says you need to have good character and treat people right at all times. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a dumb quote because it is necessary to use words. Yes, I know <laughs> where he, not, I know yeah. what he's trying to say in that quote. It's trying to say like live out the gospel, Absolutely. right? Be an example. But you you need to use words. It is necessary. No, yeah. no, it is. Jesus it is. used them. Yeah. A lot of people will try to say that like you're you, the best way to share the gospel with people would be a testimony is by your actions. That's so not true. No, that's actually unbiblical. Yeah. Now your actions, yeah. if they're bad, can hinder your of witness course, yeah. and, and what you say, but yeah, your you actions can't just... alone cannot account for the great commission. No, no, you can't just be nice to somebody. Being nice to your neighbor isn't going to get them into heaven. Everyone does that. Being nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, almost. Well, everyone. sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like, uh, there's people in every belief system that do that. Atheists yeah. are nice to people. Mormons are nice to people. Muslims are nice to people. So like, uh, that doesn't really set you apart. No, you doesn't. have to use your words. Yep. And that's why one of the functions of the church, and again, I don't necessarily mean like the local church. I mean, as the body of believers, we yeah, are yeah. the church. One of the functions of this uh this thing that Jesus is the head of, this body that Jesus is the head of, is evangelism. And now, Tyler, you're gonna get, we're gonna yes. get into like different types. So let's let's talk about yeah, that. exactly. So there are different biblical forms of evangelism that we see. Uh, we learn we kind of get these categories that we're about to list here from Lee Strobel and Mark Middleberg's uh, yeah. study called "Becoming a Contagious Christian." That's where yeah, we get th these ideas from. Again, a really great book or yeah. a small group yeah. curriculum. Even if you want to dive deep, becoming a con contagious Christian is is just awesome. Yeah, exactly. And so starting off with this, we have direct <laughs> evangelism. That's the first one. We're I'm going to talk about. Uh, we see in Acts 2.14, Peter was uh, was direct in his evangelism. Mm -hmm. uh, some of you are like this. You aren't afraid to bring up the gospel. You're bold, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is the going door-to-door -door type, the person who always turns the conversation into a spiritual matter. Now, yeah. now that's not me. I'm going to tell you right now. Like, <laughs> like, I'm not that direct to the point of where I, I turn every conversation into a gospel talk. And yeah. that, like, there's nothing wrong with that, but I still think, I think it is awesome though, for people who are able to do this. Like, there that's are, a, there are a lot of people who are there good are, at it. Yeah. The one thing that I think is, is as Christians, we have to understand is 
this is a valid form of evangelism. Absolutely. But it is not the only form of evangelism. Yes. So yes. often when, when when I hear the word evangelism, this is what I think. Like it I gotta true. stand yeah. I gotta stand on a corner of a street and yeah, yell, you gotta yell go at knocking people. on your neighbor's doors. Yeah, I gotta, gotta go yeah, cold yeah. call people. And to be honest with you, it's not it's one of many ways to do evangelism, of course, yeah. but we don't want to say it's not a right way to do evangelism. There are some people that are so gifted at this. I remember um, yeah. <clears throat> my grandpa um, uh, grew. My, my family's from the Bay Area, and um, my parents uh, or my mom and her siblings went to church because, like, culturally, right in the early '60s, you sent your kids to church. Yeah, and so my grandparents would send my mom and aunts and aunt and uncle to church, and uh, they went to church all the time because a bus would come and pick them up. And then the pastor one day asked them, "Hey, can I come home to meet your parents?" And my mom said, "Yeah, sure," because my grandpa's a really friendly guy. He loves talking to people, so she's like, "Yeah, my dad will sure he'll say that's great." So the pastor comes over <clears throat> to um, to my grandparents' house, and uh, my grandpa is sitting in there, and I think he said he had some kind of you know he was drinking something you know Sunday afternoon, kicking back, and uh, the pastor just came up to him, direct evangelism, yeah, and said, "You're sinful, and you're on your way to hell, and you need help." And my grandpa said. You're right. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and that's when wow. he, that's when he got saved. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? So direct evangelism, uh, it does work. Well, yeah. But it isn't course. the only type of evangelism. Well, there's people that like works. your grandpa too who are in a place of their life too where they like they're ready for it, you know? Like it seems like yes. it seems like he was just in a place in his life where it's like he probably just knew all of this, but yep. he's just like he hasn't like had someone come up and just tell him directly. Yep. And, and that's what he needed. Direct yeah. evangelism, I think typically works well with really ripe fruit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work so well with people that have a lot of doubts and questions because sure. then you have to engage in a different way. But that takes us to our next type of evangelism. Yeah, exactly. And the next type is intellectual evangelism. Yeah. Okay? Uh, this is uh, what you see in Acts 17, 22 through 34. That's like par, uh, sorry, Paul on Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, right? Yes. Uh, Paul uses the culture to talk about who God is. He points out that they have the altar to the unknown God, right? Yeah. He's a appealing to their culture and what they worship. And then he begins to tell them about the true God. He's like, look, the unknown God who you worship, I'm here to tell you about him. Yep. He's he's kind of like mixing the idea there and in a way that's that's evangelizing to this people group. It is. And I love this type. I mean, this is like my wheelhouse, right? Like that's why I yeah. like apologetics yeah. because I like talking with people who have different worldviews and different religious mm. beliefs and, and using reason and using evidence to show them that Christianity is the true religion. It's the true yeah, belief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, <clears throat> I really like how Paul does it too in Acts 17. It's fascinating because he's teaching at the synagogue and then he's teaching kind of in the uh, in the marketplace and the, the philosophers hear him and they're like, hey, you come with us. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about this up on the hill, right? Up at Mars Hill. That's right. And uh, it's really interesting because some people thought he was just full of crap, right? That's, I mean, it oh, doesn't sure, say crap, sure. but that's what it means. Well, like, yeah, they yeah, thought it was yeah, nonsense. It but then some people were like, this is interesting. We'd like to hear you talk about it again. But it doesn't say that any of them that day turned their life over to Jesus. Well, sure. Intellectual evangelism, I think, is more of a long play with people. Yeah. Well, that was the culture back then, too. You got to remember, this is obviously like it's it's Greece. Like that's yeah. literally where philosophy. That's uh, what they did all the time. Like, yeah. 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 So to have someone coming in and talking and discussing ideas in an intellectual way like this, that, that wasn't very uncommon back then. It wasn't. Yeah. And that, that's a cool thing. And so you see, it just depends on the person a lot of times, too, and the culture and your audience. Knowing your audience is important. Yeah. And the giftings that God yeah. gives you, like we yeah. 
Actually, yeah, Paul, yeah, that too. all over the place, talks mm-hmm. about he was going and persuading, not even the philosophers, but the Jews. He'd go to the synagogue, yeah, and he'd yeah. try to persuade them to the truth, mm-hmm. which means he's using arguments and reasoning and apologetics. Of course, yeah. so that is another way to do evangelism. Yeah, yeah. Now, that brings us into our next type. We're going to talk about testimonial evangelism. Now, mm-hmm. based on the name, you could probably already figure this one out, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, but essentially, it, we get this... Another example of using this is from... a. Uh, um, John 9, right? The blind man who was healed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's taken on trial before the Jewish leaders. And then he says, I don't know what, how this happened, but I was blind from birth. And now I can see Jesus did it. This is my story, right? Yeah. Like, deal with yeah, it. Deal with it. Because that's that's, that's, they were yeah. bugging this guy. They kept annoying him that's, and yeah, his parents. Yeah. And he's like, I don't, know, exactly I don't what know what happened. to tell you, man. Like, I'm different. <laughs> yeah. And so see, he shares a testimony. He's like, look, this is like Jesus came. He changed my life. Deal with it. That's exactly it. And so the thing is, is uh, testimonial evangelism is self-explanatory. It's we share our testimony with people Mm -hmm. and say, look, I I like maybe if you have a really deep testimony and it's like a very compelling story, like some people have uh, where it's like, hey, maybe you came out of a rough life and Jesus turned you around and like you've been impacted deeply by him and you have you want to share that story and it can impact people. Right. Yeah. It's amazing evidence sometimes. Now, the interesting part of it is everybody doesn't have that type. Type of a testimony. I oh, was of course. blind from yeah. birth and everybody saw I was blind and now I miraculously see because yeah, of Jesus. Yeah. I don't have it's that huge. kind of a testimony. No, I don't You either. don't have that kind of a testimony. But some people I know do. I was, you know, a crack addict and I came to know Jesus and immediately I wasn't addicted anymore. Yeah. Now there's yeah. a lot of people who come to know Jesus and stay addicted to drugs. So it's not like it happens all the time, but it can be a powerful way of evangelism mm. if you have a miraculous testimony. Now, I don't think a testimony in and of itself alone is always convincing because everybody of every religion has some type of story or testimony as to why they believe what they believe. But sometimes when it's this type of miraculous one, right? Yeah. There's such a drastic change. It can be used in an awesome way. Well, that's the thing. It goes back to what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. All of these uh, types of evangelism fall under a lot into where God gifts you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that goes with how deeply... Uh, affected by your testimony you are and how impactful that can be for others. Yep. Now, another type of evangelism we see in Scripture <clears throat> is what's called interpersonal evangelism. And we pick this up in Luke mm. five twenty nine. Uh, this is where Jesus calls Matthew to follow him, right? And this is crazy because Matthew's a tax collector, and he's betrayed his, his country by being in bed with Rome to exhort his people of taxes and to make himself rich <laughs> off yeah, of the backs yeah. of his own people. I mean, it's it was a terrible profession at the time. But Jesus calls this dirty, lying, cheating tax collector— to come and follow him, which I'm sure shocked the other disciples. Well, especially the zealot, right? Oh, of Who course. fought against Rome with arms. Like, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> that conflict? So Jesus calls Matthew, and then it's it's really crazy because what does Matthew do? He throws a huge party at his big house that he got from ripping off people, right? From cheating people. <laughs> yeah. He throws a huge party with his money that he got from cheating people. And he invites all of his rich tax collector friends to come to this party that Jesus is going to be at. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> the religious leaders come and say, what are you doing? You're hanging out with these dirt bags, right? Like, like, are you serious? Yeah. Man? Like yeah. you call yourself a rabbi and you're, you're okay with drinking the wine and eating the food that was bought off of off of dirty business. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting, right? And what does Jesus do? He defends it by saying it's the sick who need a doctor, not the healthy. 
Yeah, right? yeah. That's I, that's the story. Yeah, maybe today that's like the equivalent of uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean. Um, Depends on the situation, but maybe it's like like a drug dealer, right? Like, sure. Like he's got all this drug money and he's he's throwing a huge p- party at a mansion and you go and you evangelize to him and the people that are there. Yeah. Right? That's interpersonal. And you're getting in like in deep with people who are doing some messed up stuff. And that's kind of yes. what was happening back then. That's well, kinda, even like yeah. even getting to like Matthew, right? Because it was Matthew right, yeah. inviting his his oikos, right? His friend sure. to come to this thing where Jesus was going to be at. And so, I mean, I know a guy <clears throat> here at the church. I mean, he's awesome. He has this thing at his house. Um, it's it's not on a regular scheduled time, but it's probably about once or twice a month. And he uh, has a whole bunch of guys from church come over. It's called um, It's called Beers After Bedtime. And so <laughs> it's great. like after you put kids to bed, come over. Some guys bring beer. Some bring soda, you know, whatever. And <clears throat> they get together and what he does is he invites a whole bunch of dudes from church. So a lot of guys go over there from church. But he also invites a whole bunch of his neighbors. And seriously, bro, it's like 50-50. Neighbors oh, that's great. and church members. And then it's just hanging out for a few hours on the back porch without devices talking about life. And religion comes up. And politics come up. And raising kids come up. And he's intentionally doing this. So that he can reach his neighbors mm, with yeah. by using other Christian guys to come. I mean, it's fascinating. And so there's I've That's I've been there awesome. a few times, and there's so such great conversations. I mean, sometimes it goes to like one a.m. because oh, wow. you're talking about yeah. there's there's this ex Mormon guy who goes, uh, there's this atheist guy who goes who was in warfare and you know over. Wow, I mean, yeah. so it, it is awesome, and the whole purpose it's this inter. That's a great example. Evangelism, yeah. yeah. And and now I know this guy too. He's not going out on street corners. Sure. And he's sure. also, you know, but... So he's not a direct evangelist. No. He's interpersonal. But he's interpersonal. He has hospitality. Yeah. There you go. And he invites people in. It's look at so that. beautiful. That, that's a fantastic example. Yeah. But like to put it in the modern day of what that would look like, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Well, that, my friend's not a cheater oh, oh, at business. Though. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, I'm not saying... He wasn't uh, as disgusting as Matthew. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> as disgusting. <you laughs> I know. Say. It's that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Yeah. Like in modern day terms, these are things that we can do, right? Yes. And, and it's simple. And and so it's really cool. It just depends on where God gifted you. Yeah. Uh, but then again, we get into other types. There's a couple more we want to mention. Uh, like... Um, invitational evangelism. Yep. Yeah. In John four, the woman at the well, right? We see, uh, it says, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Uh, this is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, John four twenty nine through 23. Yeah. The woman, after she encountered Jesus goes back to Samaria Yeah, and tells everybody, exactly. Hey, uh, you guys got to meet this dude. She's like, come, come see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She invites yeah. them to come and meet this guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Is inviting them to see <laughs> Jesus. Right. And uh, it's, um, it's kind of interesting because it's like inviting people to experience Jesus as a method. Yeah. Right. That's essentially what she's doing. Yeah. So, so like uh, maybe inviting people to church yep. or to, uh, to go and see one of those cheesy Christian movies that come out every now and then. Yeah. I mean, or the it, one cheesy, not the one non cheesy. There Christian are a few movie. that come yeah. out that are pretty good yeah. or, or even ones with like a, like a good theme, right. Or, or invite them to do something that, that leads to a spiritual Yeah. Or like a talk, Christian right? concert or like, you know, the, there's the harvest yeah. festivals, the harvest crusades. Yeah. 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 There's so many different ways Which, that to, bleeds to a little, a little bit into interpersonal. 
personal, yeah. I think. Like, uh, but there's there's a distinct difference here. Is that you're inviting them specifically? Hey, come with me to hear other people talk about Jesus. Yep. That's more the focus here. Yeah. Like, because you you're trying to get them to come to a church or like a big one is like Easter or Christmas, right? Absolutely. Everybody comes to church on cre- Easter and Christmas. Yep, it's pra- a great much, yeah. it's a great cultural event to yeah. invite people to. Exactly. Exactly. Invitational. Yeah. I actually. Um, the, oh man, what was it, like three years ago? You know, um, Greg Laurie from Harvest Church. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. They had one of their Harvest Crusades out here at the Cardinals. Stadium. I remember that. I was there for that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. was I, dude. There, d- I don't know if you know this. <clears throat> there's people in our church who got saved at that, and now w- I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy is now like with a, f- a fellowship of Christian athletes, and his wife got baptized. Like a couple months oh, ago. Oh, that's amazing. It's nuts. Yeah. Dude, it's nuts. And I was like, that was just like two years ago. And all it took but was for somebody someone to invite yeah. them. Yeah. And so invitation. Wow. It works. Now, the last one we want to talk yeah. about in the evangelism category is what we call serving evangelism. Yeah. So this is an interesting one. So in Acts 9, 36 through 43, there's this woman named Tabitha, or you mm. might know her as Dorcas. Whenever she has both those names. If you're looking to name your daughter or granddaughter something, think about the word Dorcas. You know, it has a nice ring. That kid will never be made fun of at school. It'll be great. So (laughs) just kidding. Anyways, Tabitha, uh, she was a servant, and she helped people in her community by making them clothes. And she dies, and there was such turmoil Mm. in the community because she was such a servant. People were torn up about it because she was so kind and so – loving towards them in the way that she served. And now she gets resurrected from the dead, I believe, by Peter, right? Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of people come to know Christ, but they were drawn to her death because of her serving. Yeah, right. yeah. So the miracle definitely helped. But I often think about this, like, how are Mm. you serving your community and speaking the truth of the gospel, right? It has to be both in such a way that people will really miss you when you're gone? Or how is your church serving the community oh, so yeah. that it will be an impact on the community if your church is no longer there? Yeah, service is a big deal that. in that way. <clears throat> yep, so she shared with other people Jesus through how she loved and served them and through her words, which eventually bought, brought a lot of people to trust in Christ. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so first function of the church is evangelism. Now let's move on to the second function. Yes, uh, function number two, that is edification, okay? That's the other function of the church. It's very important that we're edifying believers. We see in Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, it says, to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here And there by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceit of scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, right? Yes. And this, this passage is where we get the idea of edification from where he talks about the the building up of the body of Christ. Yeah. Speaking the The truth in love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the, the word actually for building up is oikodome. And this is a. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's a construction word, actually. Oh, wow. I mean, it yeah. means that's why we translate it building up. It means constructing, the act of building. And in this context, it gives this idea of spiritual strengthening or what we call 
edifying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where we get this from. Like one of the aspects of the church is to build up, to edify the body, which means the other members of the church. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And with that, well, like we need to talk about too, like why we edify, like how we edify. Yeah. Right? How exactly. do we do it? Yeah. What yeah, does we, that look like? Exactly. And we edify by Bible teaching that is direct towards life change. Yep. Right. And we get this from multiple passage where it says this in first Peter two, two or second Timothy three sixteen. right? Yep. Biblical teaching that is directed towards a, a life change or to provide in-depth biblical teaching for those who are ready for more training. That's like a little step beyond just yeah, like, just hearing a Sunday morning service, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, get into a Bible study where you can ask questions and you can read books. And yes, in-depth training, not yeah. just surface-level preaching. Or for the weekend service that you sit through, you need to go through more in-depth biblical yeah, training. Yeah, Hebrews 5, you know, where it talks about... Um, um, you know, I wanted to give you more of solid food, meat, but you're still sucking on the milk of, yeah, of our, yeah. of our spirituality. We need mm. to press on, you know, we, exactly. that's an aspect of building up the church is encouraging people to press on in, in depth into the, into the teachings. Yeah, of exactly. Exactly. And we're a little biased towards this next one too, but also sure. training in apologetics, right? It's part of edifying. It is. Yes, yep. it absolutely is. Well, and what, and why Tyler, what, what the fact that you've studied apologetics for a mm -hmm. long time, how has that built you up in the faith? Oh, it's it's changed my life like altogether because uh, I uh, it builds up my faith because when you study apologetics more, you have an understanding more of not only what you believe, but you have an understanding what everything else believes. And when you understand like like all the different ideas out there, Mormonism, atheism, um, Islam, when you when you, like things like that, you can see and compare Christianity to that and mm -hmm. think, okay, if I'm not a Christian, uh, what's my alternative, right? Sure. And when you study apologetics and you investigate other ideas that are out there, you see that there's really no solid alternative to Christianity. Mm -hmm. When you truly do the investigative digging, yeah. that's what the conclusion that you should come to. That uh, That's what I've seen. And after studying for a long, long time, that strengthened my faith the more that I see that. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, that's exactly why it's pivotal for for your faith is by understanding apologetics. And it's good for, yeah. it's good for evangelism. Of course it is. But yeah. The, but the first goal of apologetics is to edify the Christian. It builds confidence in us. Yes, it helps absolutely. us to know that we have reasons and evidence for what we believe. It's not just mythological wishful thinking. Yes, exactly. And, and that mm -hmm. what does that do for you? Well, it gives confidence, it gives stability. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why apologetics, training in apologetics is an aspect of edifying the body because you're, you're strengthening their roots. Yes, yes. And, and lastly, and this one should not be overlooked by any means. Mm -hmm. Uh, is observing godly people in everyday life situations. Yes. That should be a big purpose of the church. And uh, the reason why, too, it's because you see, like, like if you don't do life or at least be around people and, and see them doing life who are mm -hmm. fellow believers and godly people, uh, it can be discouraging, right? It, you can feel isolated. But yes. by seeing people who are in the Lord, who are doing regular day-to-day -day stuff— it gives you a little bit of encouragement based on seeing the decisions they make and mm -hmm. the life like the life choices that they're going about, even yeah. like the simplest of things, right? It's encouraging to be around like-minded people. And that's another way that the church edifies. Yeah, I think yeah. about, you know, where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah, yeah. Now again, Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith who we keep our perspective on. But mm. it is really helpful in my life to have 
guys, and, and I'm not saying they're all older, but sure. people who are more mature in their faith than I am, it's good for me to look up to them and say, that's it. Like, I see it. I see Christ in them. That's that's who I want to be. Mm, that's yeah. so helpful to have the Paul that's mentoring you as a Timothy, right? To yeah, have that yeah. person. And, and it's an encouragement. Because the other thing is this. It's fascinating. But, like, when you talk with Mormons, you know, I always ask them, is there anybody you know at your ward who has achieved what they need to to be exalted into the third level mm. of heaven, right? And every time they say, no, I don't know anybody who's who's done it. So th- again, it's because you can't because there's yeah. so many rules and stipulations. You literally can't do the Mormon program. Uh, it's impossible. But in Christianity, we can actually mm. do it. And we do have examples of guys who are further along who are doing it well. Yes. And yes. that is such an encouragement to me because I see, listen, this is possible. And if you abide in Christ, you can be more and more conformed to the image of his son. It's a real thing. Yeah, that, of course. Of that, course. That builds me up, right? Yeah. To yeah. see examples and then to glean from their wisdom on how do I raise my kids? What does it mm. look like to walk with the Lord in this aspect? What does it look like? I mean, it. I, I love that that's a, an aspect of edifying because I've been built up a lot through other mm, godly yeah. men who I've looked up to and seen live out the Christian life. Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. Yep. All right. So the first two functions that we've talked about, evangelism, mm-hmm. edification, the third function of the church is equipping. Yes. Equipping. Uh, God desires, the Bible explicitly says all over in Ephesians and 1 John and James and 1 Timothy, God wants us to serve him and to serve other people. Yeah. Right? True religion is this, that you take care of orphans and widows, right? Mm-hmm. That you love your neighbor as yourself, right? All of these places that talk about serving God and serving other people. God gave pastors to the church to equip the saints, to equip believers for service. He wants us to serve. And then it's explicitly said in Ephesians 4.11 that pastors were given to help get people ready to serve, to equip them to serve. Uh, The Bible says that God gave scripture to equip believers for service. 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about this. All scripture is good for what? For doctrine, Uh for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Yes. So that you may be equipped for every good work. That's what it says, right? Exactly. Yeah. So God wants us to be equipped for service. So churches need to do a couple of things. Number one, they need to be teaching people and training people and equipping them, getting them ready to serve and do ministry. But then they also need to provide mm. them an opportunity to do yes. ministry, yes. right? So if you just have all these uh, seminars on how you can be a good Bible teacher, but you never let anybody yeah, right? teach the Bible, you're not doing it, right? It, it doesn't make sense. That's not how anything works. You have to yeah. train them and then let them do it. That's an aspect of the church. Churches need need to provide opportunities for individuals to give uh, their resources, their time, their efforts, their giftings, their abilities to meet needs. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a way that the church should function, right? Provide yes. ministry opportunities yep. that, meet, that meet those Train areas. people in it, help them figure out their spiritual gift, yeah. train them on how to use it, and then give them opportunities. You set them loose to do it. 
Yes, that's yes. what equipping is supposed that's, to be. That's what good church leadership should do. Yep. Should be about that. And yeah. an aspect of this is giving people an opportunity to give financially. Oh, of course. So it's yeah. obviously your time. It's obviously your talents, but it's also your treasure, mm-hmm. right? It's everything. Time, yeah. talent, treasure, attention, all of it. Yeah. And it's all in service to the Lord. That's the whole idea about it. Mm-hmm. You're doing this for God. It's not like, like you're doing it as a way to humbly say, like, I'm going to submit myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do like this distinction because... Because the church at large is supposed to evangelize. Yeah. The church at large is supposed to edify and build up. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to equipping, the Bible's pretty clear that scripture and pastors have the job of doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, so often people think that pastors have the job of evangelizing everybody and edifying everybody. And that's not nope. true. That's what we're all supposed to do. But pastors do that too. They participate of course they in do, it. But they're but not the only ones. Of course. But when it comes down to equipping and training people to get ready, pastors are more like the generals in the army who are training people and then turning them loose on the objective. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's mm-hmm. a function of the church. First three functions, evangelism, edification, yes. Equipping the saints for ministry. And what's the last function, Tyler? Yes, it is exaltation, which is also known as worship, right? But we needed an E. I know, so how right? Yeah. Exaltation, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Exaltation, right? <laughs> yeah. We got to fit the, the theme of the E's here. And we're, we're, honestly, that's what it is. That's what exaltation means, yep. right? Worship. Worship. And so that's a corporate public worship is unique to the church. That's something that we don't think about that often, right? Well, what, what other group of people weekly meets and sings? I mean, well, you have other churches or religious like groups. That yeah, do Mormons this. do it, but they're copying us. They are. It's Jehovah's true, Witnesses yeah. do it, but they're copying us. Muslims don't sing at the mosque. No, they don't. No. Uh, they pray. Um, I'm trying to think though. The, do Boy Scouts do any singing or anything I like mean, that? Or is there maybe like they have like an anthem or something? Yeah, national anthem, I guess, is kind of a thing. Like yeah. so, baseball yeah. games, maybe sure, or sure. basketball games. But other than that, there's not like groups that meet to corporately sing together. Unless Secular it's a concert. concerts, yeah, but it's not ongoing. It's no, like a one-time no. thing because my favorite bands here, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of an odd cultural thing. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's exactly right. Is that worship is unique to the church in that in that sense of yes. the sense of singing an exaltation worship. Yes. In, in a corporate, and we function. all know that yeah. that worship isn't just singing. At yeah, church, of course, right? of, of course. course. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like oftentimes when you say uh, like. When, when people are referring to a worship pastor at a church, like you think, oh, yeah, that's the music Music leader. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not thinking, oh, this is just the pastor who teaches me how to do worship in all areas of life. That's yeah. not at all like the function no, of no, the worship no. pastor. It's to lead in worship. In yes. The, in the, to lead in the public exaltation, as we like to say. Yep. Yeah. And so just the idea about it, too, is uh, we, we need to uh, see that the church, uh, that its function is to have... Um, respectful to respectfully honor and glorify God. That's yes. what it's supposed to do in its function of worship. Uh, it's to have corporate prayer be a part of worship, right? Yeah. Like in the middle of singing and worshiping together, take time to pray. Yeah, coming in together to corporately pray. Yeah, is a huge yeah. deal. Absolutely. And a lot of church, our, our church specifically does this too. We're like in between some songs, we'll pray, or at the end and beginning of services, like mm-hmm. with the worship song, you pray. You're praying while you are exalting, while you are worshiping. It's something that you. We're functioning and doing together corporately yep. as a church. Yep. And then also you want to, I mean, the church needs to relationally edify and build up believers through corporate worship. Yes. Well, yes. and that's an interesting one because so 
over COVID especially, mm-hmm. you know, everybody went online, which is a great band-aid for while we couldn't meet together. Sure, for a while. sure. But it's definitely not what we're supposed to do. So yeah. if if you are a Christian out there who's watching or listening to this, we're gonna step on your toes here if you haven't been going to church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you need to go to church because Corporately getting together to worship is a really important part of the Christian walk. It is. And this is yeah. why. Um, it it blows my mind and it changes my soul when I'm sitting in church, not because I'm doing singing. I can do that in my living room, right? Sure. Yeah. I can do that in my shower, and I often do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Right. So, but you know what I can't do by myself in my shower or in my living room is I can't see my friend over here singing worship to God. Mm-hmm. And I know that his daughter just got leukemia and he's praising the Lord in spite of it. Mm. You're missing out on those things. I can't see this guy over here who just went through a divorce and he's trusting God in the hardship. I can't see yeah. this child over here who just had, went through a hard time worshiping Jesus because they know he's the only hope. You miss mm. out on that when yeah. you isolate yourself. It's the and community. You're not corporate. Yeah. You need to do it in person. You do. And there's an edit, there's a building up aspect to that. There's also a affinity for other people and a relational growth and love and affection that you mm. have for the people that you worship God with. It's good for us to see each other and to hear each other praising our Savior collectively. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why Hebrew says, don't give up the assembling together. Don't give that up. It's a command. Yeah, the assembly, too, about that, like having that public exaltation of worship Mm -hmm. in in the community, it also kind of goes back a little bit to when we were talking about types of evangelism. Yeah. You can't... That eliminates one of the aspects of invitation, right? It does. Like, sure, I guess you could invite someone to watch an online service, but... yeah. I guess I wouldn't want what, to. What yeah. effect is that going to have on them? You know, like, like there's no one there to discuss with them or really follow up yep. or even to just be there with them, right? Bringing someone in who is an outsider into a church, into a corporate place where they not only see you doing worship publicly, but they see other people across the room from them mm-hmm. also doing it in the same way that Robbie was just mentioning, people with backstory, people with things going on in their lives who are sitting there or standing worshiping God yep. in public. Well, another yeah. another thing I, I've just been talking with people about is, you know, somebody will visit a church and they'll see people that they know there from work, like acquaintances, yeah, and they'll be yeah. like, I didn't know you were a believer. And now you have this into the workplace relationship that's yeah, carried over. Yeah. I mean, so there's so much to it. We're supposed to publicly worship God together through prayer, through singing, through sharing stories about what exactly. God's doing. And We're supposed to do that. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, getting moving on from that, from the functions, uh, Robbie, you have a quote from Justin Martyr. Yeah, this is really yes. cool. And it's kind of a long quote, so I'm going to read it. But um, this is in his his uh, his work, Apology, right? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, he was the right. first apologist. Apologist, and he wrote this to the Roman emperor. Uh, and one of the big um, a- aspects of this book was to claim that Christians aren't atheists. Right. Yeah. It's really funny yeah, because yeah. the the Romans were charging Christians in the second century as being atheists because they only worshipped one God, not all the gods. Yeah, which that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah so there you go. They're saying because you don't worship them all, you're pretty much an atheist. So, anyways, he was writing this book um, to give an argument for what Christianity is and what it isn't, and he tells mm. us what the church was doing in the early second century. And so let me read this to you. Uh, Justin Martyr, 
says, and this is from the first apology of Justin. He says, and we afterwards continually remind each other of these things. Uh, the wealthy among us help the needy, and we always keep together, and for all things wherewith we are supplied, we bless the Maker of all through his Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Ghost. And on the day called Sunday, all who live in cities in uh, or in the country gather together to one place, and the memoirs of the apostles, so what would mm -hmm. that be, Tyler? The writings? The New Testament, Exactly, right? yeah. Because the apostles, right? Mm -hmm. The memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets. So what would that be? Old Testament. Old Testament, mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Are read as long as time permits. Then when the reader has ceased, the president verbally instructs and exhorts to the imitation of these good things. That's called preaching. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, president. Yeah. <laughs> then when we, then we all rise and pray... And as we before said, when our prayer is ended, bread and wine and water are brought, and the president in like manner offers prayers and thanksgivings according to his ability, and the people assent, saying amen. And there is a distribution to each and a participation of that over which thanks has been given. And to those who are absent, a portion is sent by the deacons. And they, so that's like meals ministry, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. And they who are well-to-do and willing give what each thinks fit. And what is collected is deposited with the president who succors the orphans and widows and those who through sickness or any other cause are in want and those who are in bonds and the strangers sojourning among us and in a word takes care of all who are in need. But mm. Sunday is the day on which we all hold our common assembly because it's the first day on which God, having wrought a change in the darkness and matter, made the world and Jesus Christ our Savior on the same day rose from the dead. For he was crucified on the day before that of Saturn, the Saturday, mm -hmm. and on the day after that of Saturn, which is the day of the sun, having appeared to his apostles and disciples. He taught them these things, which we have submitted to you also for your consideration. So yeah. this is from the second century AD, and he explains what the church was doing at the time. What were they doing? They were giving an offering. They were using their gifts and talents. They were edifying each other. They were evangelizing mm. the lost. They were equipping the saints for ministry by what? Helping orphans and widows, yeah. helping people in jail, helping foreigners sojourning among them. They were doing communion. They mm. were publicly worshiping. The church has been doing the same four functions since its inception. Yeah, they really that have. That we are doing mm -hmm. today, which I think is just awesome. Exactly, it's cool yeah. to see that. Yeah. Well, it's because it, that's that's at the core what the church is supposed to do. That's yes. it. And, and I think that that's something that we need to clarify here. We need to clarify the difference between form versus function. This is huge. Okay. Yes. And this... this so many people have misconceptions over this, and, and if you hear anything, please understand this distinction. We've been talking about the functions of mm -hmm. the whole podcast. Now we're going to talk about forms versus functions. So Tyler, what are the functions? Yeah. We've talked about the four functions, mm -hmm. but in, in a nutshell, what are they encompassing? Yeah, so to simply define what the functions are, they're the unchanging task that the church in all ages... Uh, cultures and locations are supposed to execute which are what evangelism equipping yeah. edification and exaltation the four e's it doesn't change if you're in medieval europe yeah or if you're in you know 19th century africa unchanging or if you're in communist china that's what we're supposed to do those four mm -hmm. things okay 
That's the function. Now, Tyler, what are the forms? What is a form? Yes. Now, the forms are how the church in a specific location, culture, and time period seek to best perform the functions. Okay? This is an important distinction. Yes. I'm so, going to just... I just want to clarify that one more time. Yeah, say it again. Forms are how the church in a specific location, culture, and time period seek to best perform the functions. Yes. Okay. So this is how that works. Yeah. Um, there was a time period in the medieval church when they introduced pews into mm-hmm. church and people were outraged. Yeah. We cannot sit in church. We stand. We get together and we stand. And there are articles you can read. People were so ticked off mm. about having pews in church. Pews, right? The benches yeah. are a form. They mm-hmm. aren't uh, evangelism. They aren't uh, edification. They aren't worship. It's yeah, a, it's a style that? and do, a way do you see you that do having it. pews in there does not affect the four functions. Exactly. Not having pews doesn't affect the four functions. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But the church at the time was seeking to help and and suit the culture with having a place to sit indoors, yeah. out of the rain, so that you could hear the word of God. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Not a bad thing. Now, yeah. some functions are different than that. So here, right, in, in America, in our cultural moment, we use guitar amplification in worship at some places. Yeah. Now, yeah. I have a friend who's, who's a member of the Church of God, and they don't have instruments in their worship. Who's yeah. right and who's wrong? I mean, it's just a form. It's a form. Yeah, exactly. N- neither. Neither's right or wrong. Are yeah. both worshiping? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So, so again, we have to be distinct about form versus function. I want to tell a story. Yeah. Uh, this happened, I think you were in high school group when this happened. Probably. There was a time where we were playing, uh, I, I, was, I was playing in the high school band, you know, I preached to the high school group, and then I was playing bass with the band, and we did like a song at the end of the service, because it really went well with the sermon about worshiping God and everything. Mm. So anyways, play a song. Well, our church has one building, and there's like classrooms all around that the gym that we use as a sanctuary. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a class that was right down the hall, an adult class that was meeting. At I know the time. exactly what you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it. it came to me. Yeah, yep. And so we were, you know, we had like yeah. I don't know, 90 high schoolers in this room worshiping <laughs> God. It was a, it was a great Sunday morning. We preached the word. We were encouraging, mm-hmm. equipping all of it. <clears throat> and um, after the song ended, I prayed and I was like, "All right, hey guys, thanks for being here." And I heard this voice from the back of the room, uh, a woman's voice. Mm-hmm. And she said, hey, can I share something? And I thought it was one of our female youth leaders because it was dark. I couldn't see. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I said, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> and it wasn't one of our youth leaders. It was a lady who'd snuck in from this other adult Sunday school class down the, yeah. down the, down the hall. And she without just, you knowing because you couldn't see Without me knowing because I couldn't see. And she says, I just wanted to tell you guys that everything you're doing in here is completely wrong. And this isn't worship because you can't worship God in the dark. And she walked out, and I was like, "What? What? Yep. What? What?" And I said, yeah. "That's completely wrong." I specifically remember that she yeah. said she said something <laughs> like, "Like Jesus is the light, and you need to worship." <laughs> yeah, in the that's, light. Right. that's actually that's exactly right. what yeah, she that said. That is what she said. Yeah, yeah, and that, see, that's a perfect example. That's someone who came in and had an issue with the form. The form. The form. So yeah. I went out. So I was pretty upset because I'm like, who does this lady think she is to come in here and disrupt? And then you get into even like church authority. Like I'm a pastor and you're usurping. Like it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, of course. So anyway, 
um, I told everyone that was crazy. Don't listen to what she said. Yeah, yeah, you had to come back after and and explain. Yeah, I went out to find this lady. I'd never seen her before in my life. Come to find out, she just liked this one Sunday school teacher. She didn't really attend our church. She didn't give to the church. She didn't participate here. She just liked this one guy and would come and sit in his class and then leave. So she's not participating in church. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I was like, hey, why did you do that? Like, what are you talking about? And she said, I just needed to tell you that you guys are completely wrong in what you're doing. And I was like, what are you? I don't even understand why you think that. And she said, where do you see worshiping God in the dark? And I was like, well... I'm pretty sure Paul and Silas were in the dark at midnight in the prison when they were worshiping God. (laughs) So they were doing it. And they said, where do you see guitar amplification in the Bible? You guys have guitars. Where do you even see that? And I looked at her and it was, it was the summer here in Phoenix. It's just bizarre. You're like, the the fact she had the confidence too. Dude, it was nuts. The the assurance. (laughs) But I looked at her and and I said, where do you see air conditioning in the Bible, but you just sat in a room with air conditioning and had no problem with yeah. it. Where do you see seats mentioned in church? You don't, but you had no problem with that. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? But she, she had the false idea that her forms and what she preferred were functions. And that yeah. happens so often in the church where people get traditions mm-hmm. or they get, you know, sacred cows and that becomes an idol that they're holding up yeah. instead of yeah. looking to really what the true importance is. The focus becomes too much on the traditional aspect of that being what the church has to do. Yes. And they blend that with their theology. That happens a lot. And I really yeah. want to be careful with this because it happens in both. It happens both ways. Of course. I've yeah. seen older people get so staunch in the music they like and the style they like and that they're unwilling to bend Mm -hmm. and they're not they're not focused on the functions they're focused on the forms but just as much i see young people doing it too oh yeah i don't want to make this an old people are not bendable a lot of them are and a lot of young people are but some young people get into i just want authentic i just want this and they describe style which Mm -hmm. is a form not a function and so i i um have musical tastes that i like and prefer yeah, and every single worship song that I've ever sung in my life has not been my preference Absolutely. of music. But yeah. there's something wrong with me if I can't get together with God's people and sing praises to Him, mm. even if I don't like the style. Yeah, right? yeah. The thing is, I, I've had that happen before too. Like my my preference is uh, basically what we have at this church here is that mm-hmm. we like a little more upbeat, a little bit more. Uh, like a, a amplified, sure. right? That that's more exciting to me because that that appeals to my generation too. I think that's yeah. just similar to the music I listen to. But I I have taken time to sit like at older churches and worship by holding an actual physical hymnal, and yes. like I find a lot of peace in that in that worship style because oftentimes even some of those older traditional aspects they have like really good theology. A in, lot of times the worship, their theology right? is much better a lot than better. the newer. Music. Of yeah. course, yeah. So see, it's like you you sometimes depending on the style, you might even lose certain things. Yep. But the the that's all a form, right? The function is that we are getting together and we are talking about good theological worship. We yep. are we are partaking in community yep. publicly, corporately. Edi- edification, yeah. exaltation, mm-hmm. evangelism, and equipping. Exactly. That's what we're yeah. that's, that's a function. And so our I guess our our big takeaway for this week is don't let your forms become a function in your mind. 
Keep yeah. the first things the first things. Keep the most important things the most important things. Yeah, yeah. And then be flexible in the name of unity. Jesus yeah. calls us to be unified. And again, I'm not saying that in theological issues sure. oh, we course, need to yeah. bend and compromise on the truth. Not at all. But when it comes to style of music, to color of chairs that you have at your church, to whether the lights are on or they're dimmed, mm-hmm. Have grace with people because I know this firsthand from working in a church. Churches are trying to do the best they can to use the forms in the specific location, in their specific culture, and a specific time period to do the best they can to reach the people yeah. with the four functions. Yeah, and, you, and, you and they're be going to change. Yeah. The forms in 10 years are going to be different. Of course, the, yeah. The forms are different here in the west side of Phoenix than they are in the, the downtown Phoenix. Yeah, they The are. forms are different here than they are in Omaha. Mm-hmm. The forms are different here than they are in New York City where they drink seven times as much coffee as everybody yeah, else. Yeah, right, right. right. And, and so, so that's the amazing thing about the Church of, of Christ is that we have flexibility to try and reach our community as long as we're doing the four functions. Yeah, yeah. And it, if you're not attending a church right now uh, and, and you have left or you have left a church uh, for something that is a form, not a function, after we just described and laid out to you what it is, mm-hmm. uh, you should take some time to really think about that. Think, yeah. think about the reasons why you aren't going to a church right now or think about the reasons why you left a church, right? Yeah. Was it over a function? Or was it over a form? Yes. Think about that. Seriously. The other thing, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. No, no, that's all it is. You. I'm just saying, like, because like, we talked about this a lot. Like, it is crucial. It is vital to the Christian faith that we are participating in public worship. Yep. We need to be a part of a church. It's really important. And and I, I do want to say one thing. So, uh, and this doesn't apply to house churches because I think that's still going to yeah. church and, and assembling together. So form, I'm not saying it right? with house yeah. churches. That's a different form than the traditional, you know, big box church of course. type of thing. They're both different forms of church. But I do <clears> want to say this. Everybody I know who has stopped going to any type of gathering isn't thriving in their spiritual life. No. Every single person I've seen who just says, well, church people have hurt me. I'm going to abdicate and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to stay home because they need to get it together. Everybody I've seen who does that is not thriving in their spiritual walk with God. No. And part of that is because, number one, they need to have to work through hurts that they have with other people. Mm -hmm. But secondly, they also need people who are there to go, yeah, like that guy shouldn't have done that to you. Let's figure this out. I'm here. I'm an advocate of you. Like, mm-hmm. let's stand for truth. Let's love each other. Let's let's work through this. And when people leave because of problems, <laughs> they don't see God working on that other person. Mm-hmm. And they don't allow the situation to be something that God uses to work on them. Yeah. So every person I've seen who just stops going and assembling with any group of believers does not thrive in their spiritual life. Mm. It's an excuse for laziness, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And it doesn't lead to flourishing. And so if you're in that boat, you need to go to church. <laughs> house church you need to go to a big church you need to you need to go and be with god's people where the four functions are happening yeah so again a little preachy this week but it's really yeah. important yeah it's well if you're, if you're offended by something we said like that's that's the thing like like we we don't hold back on the truth we we need to be we are loving about this because it's something like, like if we were be not if we were to truly be loving with those who are not attending a church, we should tell them that mm-hmm. this is a problem. And so if you are uh, one of the people that fall into the category of who we've been speaking at uh, in this episode, like, please, like, go to a church because we love you and we know 
that biblically we are supposed to, as a body of believers, be together in community. Yeah, and you're robbing the local body by you not being there. You because are, Because if yeah, we're a body yeah. and we all function together and uh, the pinky gets cut off and is run away and not coming back, it's not good for the rest of us. We need each other. It's a healthy organism that yes. God has, has created with us um, to to follow after him in. So, yeah, hey, yeah. Thank, this was fun. I like it talking was. about no, this stuff really. every once in a while. Really, yeah. it's, it's so important that we touch on theological issues. And, and this applies, like, you can apply this to apologetics too because it's... Sure. You need to have an understanding of what your church is supposed to do, right? Yes. Because people are going to ask you and say, well, well, yeah, what's the difference between uh, me getting a spiritual emotional connection out of a concert versus sure. going to a church, right? Yeah. Well, no, it's because it's not just about the form an emotional of what we're doing, right? Or an yeah. emotional experience. It's about what we're actually doing as a function, as a body of believers. That's what people say. I didn't really get much out of the worship today. Yeah. I always like to say, good, because we weren't worshiping you. No, absolutely not. <laughs> we're you worshiping know, God. Hey, this yeah. may be a secret, but you don't have to enjoy every single worship experience you get. Like, like there are a lot of times where I've come to church and I, I'm not wanting to sing. Tyler, it just... I, I, I'm not always excited about going to church. I'm not much of a singer. I'm going to be honest with you, too. Like I like to listen a lot to yeah. worship, but I, I try to make myself sing because I understand the importance of repeating the words, too, and also understanding and doing it as a public display sure. of saying, look, I'm here to worship God. Yeah. It's yeah. not—that's th- the other thing, too, is like going to church is an act of obedience, and it's good for us— mm. But it isn't something that everybody's always excited and giddy about. Sure. Sometimes I yeah. am, but not always. And I think that it's okay if you don't want to go yeah. and yeah. you say, but I need to go. Mm. What, what's more yeah. honoring to God? You go because it's Disneyland and you have a great time, mm. or you go because you don't want to and you don't feel like it, but you know it's the right thing to do. Right. It seems yeah. like the latter is more honoring to God. Yeah. Does Absolutely. that make sense? No, Going I, because it, it of definitely what, does. what yeah. I get out of it is selfish. Mm-hmm. Going because of uh, I, I'm participating in what God's called me to do, it seems a little more yeah. noble and no, that more loving to God. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that, like, obviously, you can, like it's a bad thing if you're going to church of course and not. No, you're no, having no, no, a blast no. and no, it it's is not like bad. Disneyland to That's great. That's but, awesome. But every week is not going to be like of, that. Of course. And so many people chase that down. Yeah. I want to yeah. feel, I want to, I just didn't get any, I just, yeah. well, church isn't about you. Yeah. And what yeah. you get out of it, it's about what you put into it. Yeah. It's about how you contribute to the local body. Exactly. So, all right. We've said enough. Today. We have. <laughs> yeah. You're right, this you're has right, been good. Right. But hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We hope this has edified you and yeah. it's pushed you. Maybe it's equipped you to talk with other people about it. Maybe it's made you think about exaltation and worshiping mm-hmm. God. And we hope that you do go out and you evangelize to your friends and tell them about the truth of reality that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yeah. But thank hey, you guys. thanks so much for being with us this week. And we will catch you guys next week on another episode of Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ, Culture, and Coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee.